Yeah, so I'm Brent Purple Oliver. Uh, I'm here with the MT Mindfulness Consulting Podcast, and our guest today is Carrie Twig, whom I just met for the first time five minutes ago, and I'm very excited about it. So, uh, Carrie, do you want to kick it off by maybe telling us just a uh, a minute or two about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I. My professional title is I'm a career coach with a specialty in storytelling. Um, and now I'm weaving more mindfulness into that work, but mostly <clears throat> I help people to figure out what makes them awesome um, and then where they could use their awesome and then how to share that using their their stories and their bodies. Yeah. Nice. And, and before that, I was a drama teacher. So okay. that, yeah. the fact that you're like a pretty spunky for a coach. That's why. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so that's kind of a, uh, a multi-level threat there. So drama background. Uh, and you said you started out as a career coach and then yeah. focused on storytelling. Was that originally part of your uh, career coaching? No. So, well, uh, no. Yes. It was. So I uh, started out as a drama, like drama instructor. Um, I was teaching a class on acting for film. And one of the students came in after, I don't know, six weeks and said, um, you know, I got a promotion at work and it's because of this class. And I was like, what do you mean? And he said, you know, I'm moving different. I'm carrying myself different. And when I heard that, I was like, "Ooh, I never thought I could teach, you know, adults and especially in business. <laughs> so uh, did a HR certificate um, and then started, yeah, go went with my drama background. I can help people to tell and embody their stories better. Um, yeah. So found a sweet little thread to make money at art. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you kind of made it your own. You know, everybody has their own approach to what they do that kind of stands yeah. out from everybody else. It sounds like that was yours, at least initially. Uh, yes. So that's yeah. how it started. How did, uh, well, first of all, how did you get into mindfulness your, yourself? And then how did you realize mindfulness was going to be a part of your career, what you were offering people? Yeah. So, you know, my first time meditating was, uh, I think in high school, there was like a free meditation course at the university like on the weekend and some we looked at a candle <laughs> I and I really loved I love the idea of meditation it was a really naive idea but it was like I don't know, it felt magical but I enjoyed reading about it more than I actually liked mm. doing it yes, um I know that you know that yeah uh and then I tinkered a bit with like <clears throat> some TM stuff and would listen to, do you know David G? Uh, name doesn't ring a bell. No, no? it's like um, this meditation teacher meditates on a beach with his dog. And it's a lot of visualizations. And so I was doing those um, like for free online and being like, this is, this is pretty cool. Um, and then I got these migraines that I got, I've always had migraines, um, but they came I think in one week I had three and I was like, I need to get like, I need to get serious. And I think meditation can help. 
And I was hopping around on all these like podcasts and streaming, trying to find something. Um, and then I heard Shenzhen teach, I think it was like hear out and he led it. And I, I first loved his, like, you know, his croaky voice. So I was like, there's something about it that I liked. And then I did hear out and it was the first moment that I felt, um, focus. And I was Mm. like, okay, um, this is real meditating. This isn't, I don't know what I, before it didn't feel real, if that makes sense. Like I was very scattered brained and not focused. Um, and so then I got really deep into (laughs) UM and (laughs) studying it and getting, you know, going through all the, the levels of teaching. Um, yeah, but mostly first for first for migraines, and then because uh, I got a rush. <laughs> right. Well, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Uh, maybe we can unpack a little bit the that dichotomy between the meditation you were doing before hearing Shenzhen elaborate on hear out, and yeah. then what shifted, what changed. Maybe uh, like looking back, is there? what you were doing before maybe tm and other things that you had tried was it the the lack of focus what what about um seemed to bring it all together what what about those methods seemed to make it feel more pertinent and more like what you were looking for yeah so i think with the other methods it was always um like TM was a mantra, right? Um, and with the other, it was always like visualizing and seeing something. So it was never based on the real. It was always some other place I had to go and felt a bit like pretend. Um, and I would lose focus in it and not quite know what to do. So then I'd be like, ah, you can't meditate. And then wouldn't do it and would come back and have the same thing. So I think the noting technique, so it's like, <clears throat> you know, pay attention to the sounds you can hear, label it, like that momentary concentration was such an easy win that I was like, oh, I can stay with it. And you can't really, if you're following the technique, you can't really get distracted because you're always moment by moment checking. So it was like, um, I start, you know, when you go bowling, have you ever gone bowling with children? Uh, not with children, unless you count my friends. So actually, okay. yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are your friends such bad bowlers that they sometimes have to put down those things over the, over the gutters? Uh, I've seen, seen them. Those? We never have because I think we take more delight in the failure than anything else. Oh, uh, yes. So. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so I feel like the noting labeling in see, hear, feel, and I think it was hero that I was doing with him. It felt like those gutter baby lanes were up. Like I couldn't get off course. It was built. It was built for me to, to win at those pins yeah. right each time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a yeah. big one. I, I work with a lot of clients who have never tried any kind of meditation before. And 
they all seem to kind of evolve into the same language where, you know, we'll talk about doing something like say, hear out or see, hear, feel where momentary concentration is the the name of the game. And they say, Oh, well, you know, I did, I did see, hear, feel for, for 10 minutes, but I feel like I was distracted for most of it. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you know, there is no distraction, whatever pops up, you can note and label. And it, it, it comes around to what they mean is, I forgot to do the technique. I dropped mm. the technique. So yeah. did you, how did that feel for you? Like you said, you know, you were doing here out and it's that those momentary little bursts of concentration and no real distraction. You just notice what's there. Did you ever in initial stages feel like you were kind of losing the technique or forgetting about it during a meditation and just getting swept away in thoughts? So not that first time, which is probably what hooked me, right? Like it right. just um, hooked me. And I feel like in the introduction, he or the other person said something like, what does my life sound like right now? So that question I kept bringing up. So in that first podcast, no, it was like easy. It was easy. And then yeah, as I learned more, <laughs> you know, did longer, put it all together, did see out. Yeah, of course. Right. Like, um, yeah, lost it, came back gently. Um, yeah, but I think cause I had, it just felt so good and it felt mm. doable <clears throat> right. and I could do it anywhere. So I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to go into like some room. I didn't have to have, like put like have a special position. I could just listen to what was happening anywhere. Right. Yeah. So what do you mean when you said it, uh, it felt good? Like what, what did it do for your mind, your body, your life that you found so rewarding? That, I think I could focus and I never really thought I could. Like I was like, I have way too creative a mind. So it felt good in that I could follow it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could be there. I could hear it. And I wasn't distracted by other, um, yeah. Okay. Self-talk. Yeah. Or seeing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where did it go from there from your, you know, initial discovery and then, how did you move into studying UM or studying meditation or becoming a coach? Yeah. So I um, joined, I don't know, the first two things of UM. What is it? Pathways and something else. Uh, foundations and then pathways. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did those. Loved it. Um and it was, I think, in pathways where I had another um, health thing come up. So I had a health thing where it was like a, it was a mass, uh, and I needed to get surgery, and I couldn't walk for, I don't know, about four months or something. Um, and it was hard because I was at a place where I was feeling really good about the techniques. Um, and, you know, doing longer sits and feeling like a, a more accomplished meditator. And then this pain came. Um, and 
I had had lots of success in my business. I was starting to write a book. I was named like a LinkedIn top voice out of like the 61 million people writing about careers on LinkedIn. I was number 10 in the world. Like, uh, had um, a post get like 8.1 million views. So all this external validation of like, you're amazing. (laughs) And you're like really making it. Um, when an illness hits you and I had to cancel like trips to Australia, I had to cancel lots of things of lying in my bed and being like, well, who am I? Um, and luckily it was, we were doing, um, we were were doing the technique of feel flow Mm. and I would just, you know, would feel all this pain. So emotional pain and physical pain and then start to go, well, you know, well, is it moving at all, shifting it? And so I really got this like four month deep meditation dealing with, um, yeah, really rough emotion and physical pain and mindfulness got me through. And then I was like, uh, it changed the way I coached because it wasn't about, uh, I was like, oh, I'm helping people land jobs and make more money. That's awesome except they don't feel different and they're not more connected and they don't really understand themselves. And mm-hmm. so uh, I think I need to start weaving mindfulness into the coaching work. Gotcha. So it sounds like that was a gap you saw that became apparent through your own experience that you then realized that you could help other people with because of how mindfulness helped you deal with that. Is that kind of how that evolved? Yeah. And also I'd like help people land jobs. But when I checked in with them three or six months later, they would, they would be like the person I had met before they landed that job. And so I was Mm. like, Oh, the job isn't making you happy. It's something else. This is. So you you were helping people get their dream jobs. And then checking in months later and realizing it hadn't really changed their life for the positive enough. No. And all the things that they found wrong with their old job or how they felt Mm -hmm. in it all came back. Interesting. So how long now have you been doing this kind of multi-pronged approach where mindfulness is a big part of your coaching and sort of what, what results are you seeing with your clients now that you've been doing that? Yeah. So about two years. Hmm. Yeah. Of mixing it in. Right. And, um, so the difference is that like it used to be, I'd help, I go like, this is what makes you awesome. Here's, here's the kind of job you should go for. Here's what to say in the interview. And there's still lots of like, uh, lots of nerves about Mm. speaking about oneself, about what to say in the interview, lots of questions of like, if they ask me this, what should I say? Like just no self-trust. Right. And it's, it's very vulnerable (laughs) to, to interview, especially for dream jobs. Um, and now the questions aren't like, don't have this sense of desperateness to them. They're more like, "Mm, I'm going to try this technique before I go in. Uh, 
and um, yeah, you're doing some like see and hear good before the interview and feeling like they have some go-to methods during it and the way that they're carrying themselves and networking. Um, I think the, the most common where they describe it as is it's easy. <laughs> it feels easy. Like the interview process or just pointing themselves toward that sort of dream job scenario in general? Yeah, I think easy to spot it, easier mm -hmm. to accept, oh, yes, I am all these incredible things, um, and then easier to share it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So what when you check back in with people now three to six months later, what's the difference? Or do you continue to work with people in a more mindfulness coaching capacity after they get their dream job? Well, it, it depends. It kind of depends on like the program that they bought. Um, mm, so there's right. some, like I'm working with one person where we did two calls. He landed the job and now he wants to use mindfulness to, to intentionally show up as himself um, in this new job and not make some of the mistakes that he has in the past, right. Of like, um, uh, in previous jobs, he was too scared to offer ideas and then got looked over. And so now it's, it's okay to speak. So, um, yeah. So I think that the, the difference is that the, I think originally there was an idea that if you landed a dream job, so if you got the thing, you would be happy. Right. Yes. And now it's a difference of like, I got the thing and that's great. Um, but I found happiness before I got mm -hmm. the thing. Um, and it's something to always like, it's always, it's always something that I can work on, you know, but not in a strivey, um, not in a strivey way. Right. Excellent. So it sounds like both you and your clients are experiencing much deeper levels of satisfaction with life as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. amazing. What you do sounds incredibly creative and really deeply interesting. Um, so that, do you feel like you have your dream job? Like what you do and the way that you approach it now and how you've managed to integrate mindfulness? Is this your dream job now? <laughs> yeah. Yes and no. Like, uh, so I think a dream job is that you get to use your most favorite skills um, in an ideal environment. And so right. I think the the dream part of, um, yeah, using my most favorite skills make a difference in the world is great. And ideally, like I'm mostly at home. I do have this like I'm starting to have an urge of wanting maybe not to just do it as a solo business, but I'm like, can I bring this to a workplace? Like would being leading a team within an office, would that, would that be fun? Yeah. Like yeah. bringing the whole thing, like the career coaching integrated with mindfulness, like to one specific business or specifically mm -hmm. mindfulness coaching to business. No, I think the whole, like, um, like 
career development, career engagement, knowing what makes you incredible, how to embrace that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. Mindfulness on the daily. What would that look like in an office setting? Right. And then watching the long, watching the long-term growth. Cause I have these anecdotes of, well, you know, based on one conversation, six months later, they seem happier. Uh, Right. Um, and I have like I have a weekly club where we meditate together and then talk about our experiences and we do some drama activities. It's called the True Awesome Club. Um, and I see growth there with those people, but I'm like, imagine this was within, yeah, one workplace. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love to see how that turns out. Yeah. So, what is your current personal? practice like, um, you know, as far as daily practice, any kind of a routine or, or life practice or retreats, uh, or continuing education, you know, are you going deeper into expanding your coaching credentials? What's going on for you right now with your, your own meditation practice? Yeah. So, uh, have you ever heard of something called social presencing theater? I don't think so. No, no. Um, so it's this, this it's pretty cool <laughs> if you like drama. <laughs> um, uh, so it's this um, it's this mindfulness teacher dancer who came up with this method of um, how to use theater to embody mm, solutions and work through work through stuck both as an individual and then also as a collective and. Um, so I learned this thing called the 20 minute dance. <clears throat> so the 20 minute dance is you first, you start uh, laying on the ground and, and then you ask your body, how do you want to move? And you just allow your body to move how it wants. So it's um, similar to auto move, but different in that you're never, you're not tuning into the, the bounciness or the spontaneity you're tuning into um, which part of your body is leading. Mm. And so you do that. Um, yeah, so I do that every morning. Um, and I've done it since, I don't know, late December. <laughs> it's a uh, 20 minute dance first thing in the morning. Um, and then I lead a meditation almost every morning short for other people, like at 7 a.m. Um, mm on a various theme. And then in the evening I do a combination of chanting and then whatever I'm working on, but usually like a half hour of practice. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a lot uh, for, you know, the typical busy uh, business person with family life <laughs> going on. Is it challenging? Like, have you carved out specifically the ways to get everything in that you feel you need, or is it often challenging to practice at the level that you feel is really helpful for you while, you know, living this family life, this work life? I find it easy, but mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm a natural overachiever. So uh, <laughs> everyone in my family would expect me to be doing something. Uh, so the 20 minute dance is I put a mat out in my dining room. So my dogs are walking around. My husband will make coffee and turn on the light beside me. It's fine. The only thing I have to focus on is 
how does my body want to move? And he's like, he knows me. So seeing me move weird is not like, like it's not a, that's, that's me. He's um, not going to come over and check to see if you're okay. No. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he'll make a comment like <laughs> that's a strange pose or, you know, like something. Um, yeah, but mostly just ignores. So it's not like, and my kids are, I'm like, my kids are big. So my, like my eldest daughter is, doesn't live here. She's 21. Um, and then my youngest is 13 and I'm doing this at six in the morning. So she's not up at all. Um, yeah. And then I think they're just used to me having something. So in the evening I tuck away, but my husband, like he's, uh, film editor and he writes short stories and he's likes video games. So in the evening for me to go up and meditate for a half hour to an hour, no big deal. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, what's, it sounds fairly, well, maybe not effortless. You say you're an overachiever. So certainly there's a effort poured into it, but mm-hmm. what's something about the, your meditation practice as it's evolved or integrating mindfulness practice at a level that is where you want it. Is there anything that's been challenging about it? Uh, have you, have you stumbled across obstacles that you've had to work your way around? Hmm. Like, what obstacles? I mean, if the answer is no, that's cool. If you're like, Hey, it's a breeze, man. No problems. <laughs> No, because I like an impression that I'm like, you know, that everything comes, comes easy. I think like for, for me, I think it's about in my mind, the most important work that a human can do um, is meditate. Hmm. I Like I, I put it at that level of this supports me in everything that I want to do and it supports me in how I help people. And I feel like it's, it helps the world Mm. that, you know, if we're like, if there's a divine or source that's looking for like someone who's doing the work, I'm like, I'm a conduit. (laughs) Look at like, um, yeah. So I really believe that it's the most important work. So I think, that helps. I think when you're just like, eh, it makes me feel less stressed. Like when it was just about, you know, oh, it's going to help me with a migraine, not as easy to commit. But when right. you're like, ah, this, this supports everything that I want to do and helps me be the kind of person that I want to show up as. And yeah. it's interesting. And I get to find out about the world. Uh, then it's fun. It's like okay. a cool experiment right like how does my body want to move um yeah it feels like and it feels like play so i think Hmm. that intention helps instead of oh i gotta go put in my 30 you know right yeah that's really interesting because that's that touched on a couple of things that i've experienced with with clients 
where you said, you know, you were initially attracted to it or interested in it because, you know, could it help with migraines, which, yeah. you know, is more what Shenzhen would call, you know, a surface level benefit, not in a derogatory sense, not that the surface is worse than the depth. It all depends yeah. on what you, you need out of the practice, but you found yourself going much deeper and finding it to be of utmost importance. Uh, how do you, how do you work with clients who, or do you have clients that ever end up with sort of a reluctance on the mindfulness front? You know, when I work one-on-one -on -one with clients who have never practiced before, I know a lot of people end up sort of drifting away from the practice just because it is so hard to integrate something new into, you know, all of us are busy. All of us have crazy shit going on all the time. Adding in one more thing is difficult for a lot of people. So with the mindfulness aspect of how you, <clears throat> excuse me, coach clients, do you find most people have a fairly reasonable capacity to work that into their daily lives? Or do a lot of people really struggle to, to get this one more thing in? Oh, of, of, yeah, they struggle. Of course. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I, I try to make it like, I try to make it as accessible as I can. Um, sure. So, you know, on, on the first call. So first asking, cause if they, if they're like, uh, I want help with my story. I always ask like, are you interested in the mindfulness part? Um, cause I don't have a straight mindfulness offer right now. Right. I think it's always merged with, with careers. Um, right. and, and then I'll ask them what is their current practice? Because sometimes it's just about tweaking, they're like, my husband got this app for us. This is what we're doing. And I'm like, okay, when you do it, how do you feel? <laughs> right? So like um, having a conversation of how it how it's helping and if it's not going here, are some other methods to play with. Mm -hmm. um, and then like I have this one woman, she's like a CEO of a not-for-profit, burnt out, tons of pressure, um, can't step away because there's no one else to step away and there's too many lives affected by her where the only moment we could think of to add it would be when she's putting her child to bed. So she reads to her son and then she says she lays there and I'm like, so while you're laying there, could you try here out or could you try a see out? So she's integrating it and, and I'm like, you don't need to sit. Like, there's no, like, do what works for you and in a way that would enrich your life. And she's noticing, like, she's noticing the most beautiful sounds of just yeah. like her son breathing, how um, the heat cycle of her house has a rhythm. So it's giving her this relief and it's where her mind would have been worrying about work. So for 10 minutes, I know, you know, she's noticing she's getting fulfillment. Like those memories with her son are going to like sink in there. Uh, yeah. She's getting some relief. Right. And it counts as practice. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a big obstacle or maybe even a common misconception that a lot of people have that, you know, 
like you said before, you know, you feel like you have to find a certain space, uh, a certain time, you know, a certain way to do it. Whereas Shenzhen says, you know, no, you can, you can do this anywhere, anytime, which is certainly one of the strong points. Yeah. 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 I'd have another client who was not loving the way she was showing up at work, but like a sitting practice didn't work. So she does an intentional, um, be good, right? Like I see here, be good. As soon as she gets on the bus and does it the whole time. And she says, sometimes she just smiles, just radiating and smiling at strangers. And people look at her like, what are you so happy about? But it's changed it's changed her morning. It's changed her commute and changes the way she feels when she gets to work. Um, right. So looking at, um, yeah, can we build the skills so you have some sort of base level in a quiet practice? Mm-hmm. And then as soon as we can, like, how can you use it in real life? Right. Yeah. I feel like 50% of modern mindfulness coaching is, how are we going to fit this into your life? How can we make it to where it's integral and not I'll get it done when I have time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what kind of, and this may be not a pertinent question, but do you see many of your clients move from sort of the more surface level practices and benefits as they apply to their career and their story into more of the deep end and become like kind of a more robust, like lifelong practice. Yeah. So the, the people in the true awesome club, we were doing, what did we do the other day? Um, We did see space, which is pretty abstract. Do you know, see space? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, um, and I think they just sat there being like, Whoa. (laughs) for a long time so in terms of what they're accessing in their practices like they're quite developed um and then there's a diff like yeah a different way of um i think the concerns when people first come to me is is from a real place of like ah how do I get people to understand and see my value? Like Mm. that's their biggest concern. Yeah. And now they're moved into like, uh, well, I'm valuable. That's a given, (laughs) right? (laughs) But you know, but also, oh, there's all this other stuff. There's all this other, yeah, stuff going on that is beyond what I could normally contact that I'm mm. regularly now in contact with. And it's enriching my life in a way that has nothing to do with, with my career, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I love it. And uh, I really feel like uh, I'm not quite awesome enough, but I want to be a part of the true awesome club because that's a fantastic yeah. name and it sounds just wonderful. Uh Yeah. Yeah. It, so it used to be, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, I, was, I used to call it the career contentment club. Uh, and then my friend was like, but Carrie, you're beyond contentment. Like no one sees you. And it's like, Oh, that person's content. They're like, that person is a little <laughs> very happy. Um, 
Yeah. So they're like, you're, you're awesome. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll call it the true awesome club. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. My, uh, my business cards and my website have the tagline, uh, aware, awake, awesome. So I'm glad that somebody else has also glommed on to the uh, awesome tag for this. <clears throat> yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so is there anything, I feel like we've kind of, uh, covered a, a sort of, almost narrow range of, of focus, kind of, you know, your personal practice and uh, how it evolved into your career approach and how you work with clients. Is there something we haven't covered that you'd like to chat about? Or is there something that you would like uh, listeners to know about you? Um, what's fascinating for you right now that we didn't, didn't go over? Oh, well, um, well, who listens? What's well, helpful for them? <laughs> who, like what typically? Uh, yeah, well, I think we have a pretty wide variety of individual practitioners at all different levels, uh, as yeah. well as more uh, business oriented listeners who might be thinking of using MT Mindfulness uh, and the, the services and the products that we provide for their company. So that's not a very mm. helpful answer very broad range of people who are listening. Um, but you know, the one thing they all have in common is what is meditation and mindfulness going to do for my overall satisfaction and awesomeness, I think. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I like, I think it is. I think mindfulness is one of the best, tools that you can use to feel happier in life mm -hmm. and is the is at the root of um like of of career success mm -hmm. so i've even taken like shinzen's happiness grid and then mm -hmm. linked those to like to career development right so merge mm -hmm. them um yeah and the only i think the only part that and i don't know if you cover this in your coaching i think feel like the only part that doesn't get covered totally by that system um, is, is, ex is expression is intentional expression mm. because I don't know if spontaneity always is where it's at. And so I weave yeah. in a lot of like, I think drama has some pretty great things to offer when those two are, are combined. Right. So what do you, and I agree. Yeah. Spontaneity certainly lacks that sort of intentionality. Right. Um, yeah. So what do you mean when you say uh, intentional expression? So um, like, uh, I'll give you an example of like a, an exercise that I teach. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. so I help people figure out uh, what makes them awesome. And we do that through um, they collect um, a story a day for seven days. And each day you, each day the prompt is to write about a time at work where you felt really alive, where you felt mm -hmm. like you made a difference. Like just so you have these career highlights and you look at all those stories and then look at what skill you were using when you were, when you were doing your awesome. And then usually you'll find like three to five things that are consistent in those stories and you go, oh, okay, that's my brand. That's my, that's my awesome. If I get to do these three things most of the time, <clears throat> I'm going to be really happy. 
So that's great as like a reflection clarity. Someone might get through that through like a Myers-Briggs. Um, but I want people to then go like embody that awesome. So you could do an auto move to like get in touch with moving your body <clears throat> and how it expresses. But I'll have people go, I'll be like, do you have a doorway? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, hey, go to the doorway. So leave the office that you're in and stand on one side of it. And then when you're on the other side, I want you to breathe in those three awesome skills, right? So I'm a great teacher. I'm a great like business maker, like whatever it is, right? Like I, whatever the things are, I'm great at math. So breathe them in and then walk into the room carrying those mm. and seeing how you move different and I'll do it. And I'll be like, and then come sit in your chair and meet me, like greet me as this, as this person. And I think that you need mindfulness, a base to do that exercise because you're going to feel really silly being like, how do I embody <laughs> or how do I move? So I think you need some sort of openness and space for that to come. Um, and then, you know, anything that comes up of being able to, to work with it. Um, but I'm finding that makes a difference like that. Yeah. Sitting there and some people cry, right. They're like, Oh, I'm, haven't admitted to myself, this is what makes me incredible. It feels good to, you know, to share it. So there's ways mindfulness can help with any of the emotions that come up there. Um, yeah, but I, I'm really, really loving playing with, with drama and with meditation, but drama at its root means to do. Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. Um, I did not know. Yeah. So theater means like to show, to make visual. So mm -hmm. drama isn't to put on a show. It's to do the, to do it. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm like, well, for, and for meditation, you need to do it. That's probably why I like it. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It's learning by doing. Yeah. 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 I love that. Uh, your explanation of the exercises for intentional expression. I think that's really seamlessly woven into what mindfulness does and how it helps. Yeah which obviously is yeah. your specialty. Yeah. And it, and it's, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I just forget what I was going to say now. <laughs> Me too. We canceled each other. Oh, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> you said, would you ever? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, would you ever uh, consider or see yourself uh, becoming a purely mindfulness coach, like evolving into working long-term one-on-one with clients whose primary interest is mindfulness and meditation as opposed to uh, career and story? You know, I tried, but I have this anxiety of like, oh, will I make money at it? And <laughs> um, I don't know if I could do, I think if it was anything, I could see it being mindfulness. I think I'd still bring the drama in. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think we all have our, you know, our, the minutia of our life and personality and who we have become that sort of contributes to, you know, no two mindfulness teachers are alike, you know, everybody brings in their own 
thing. And it sounds like that's a pretty, uh, pretty welded on part of who you are. Like no matter what you do or how you present it, it sounds like that drama aspect is very important to you and a big part of what you do and who you are. Yeah. 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 I think I've like, I've thought about it, um, but it just might be the, the conversations and it might just be because I've built this rep of knowing a lot about careers. Right. Um, yeah. And the true awesome club is my most favorite thing to do. And there are weeks when we never talk about anything careers. So I feel like I get, wow. you know, when they come in, we do a technique, we do reports and then we talk about like, and then they ask questions. So it's mm -hmm. yeah. in that one. Um, yeah. We're not talking about careers. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been amazing uh, and <laughs> completely fascinating. Um, I've never met a coach who combines the specific things that you're combining and especially with such success and such enthusiasm. You know, it sounds like your clients are really uh, getting a ton out of it. And it sounds like you've gotten to a place where, you know, you've got the wonderful job, but you've also got the happiness and the awesome that exceeds far beyond just having the, uh, the excellent job. So where, if people are interested, uh, where can people find you like online, social media, where are you, where are you around? Yeah. So I think the like more fun prompt prompty, here's a sample exercise. Instagram is great. I'm career stories carry there. Um, okay. And then I have a sub stack called True Awesome um, that I'm starting to share some of some of the embodiment exercises on. So those are two places I'm hanging out. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And LinkedIn, uh, but uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, As one of LinkedIn's uh, most popular voices, yes, let's definitely get that one out there. Top voice, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, is there anything uh, you'd like to let people know before we wrap it up here? Oh, I think I want to say something inspiring. So like, what is, what is that? But not like, not, um, yeah, I think that if you're at a place where you're like, mm, practice doesn't feel as like magical or as joyful as like we're talking about it here. Um, getting a little looser, adding some playfulness might, might be the way in. Right. So don't like, once you know a technique playing with what the edges or how you can make it your own is sometimes, sometimes the answer and can take you to some pretty cool places. Yeah. I love it. Stay playful. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Carrie Twig, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I had a great time. Yes, me too. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm.